Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. Consistently, I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. I thought I was doing well with that, but I realized that I really was avoiding risk. And by avoiding risk, I was limiting how quickly I could grow. And in hindsight, I could probably already be at $5 million in revenue if I had not been avoiding risk until about uh, three years ago. Today on episode 561 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of the Guggenauer Group, Kathy Guggenauer. I'm going to ask Kathy how she was able to smash several income plateaus in her business and much more. You can find out more about Kathy along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Kathy Guggenauer. After finding the courage to say bye-bye to her corporate marketing career, Kathy built a six-figure virtual assistant business from her tiny house in the middle of a forest. Today, she teaches professional women how to create their own work-at-home virtual assistant and virtual expert businesses so they too can enjoy the freedom, flexibility, and financial security they desire and deserve. Kathy, welcome to the show. David, thank you so much for having me on here today. I am really looking forward to talking with you. And I'm looking forward to this as well. So, Kathy, you have gone from corporate to your own solopreneur business, which is a huge transition. And then you've taken your initial business and pivoted it so that it can grow considerably. What have you learned about how you can take your initial idea and smash plateau after after plateau as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Oh, David, great question. I, and I love the name of your podcast, Smashing you. Plateaus, because, yeah, because it happens, right? So when I first started my business, I actually made a mistake that I think is pretty common with people who haven't run a business before, which is I basically recreated a job for me. So instead of really creating a business, I created a job. And when you create a job, you have a limited number of hours that you can put in it and you're basically getting paid by the hour. So that keeps you really limited and you can't really scale. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I would say even if you don't charge an hourly rate, right? you're still limited by the amount of time you have available to produce results for your clients. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, you could say, I have a package rate or I have a flat rate and it's based on value. But if it's only you, it's still your time. Correct. Yeah. And I had gotten to the point where I was working um, because I was very driven. I wanted to prove my boss and my corporate job wrong when he told me that I would never make the kind of money I made there again. And I wanted to make a minimum of $100,000 because that would double my income from back in 1994 when I quit that job. And so I was driven to do that. And I ended up working 14 hours a day, seven days a week. It was really, really not not smart. And I got incredibly burned out. And were you making money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I made $106,000. And it was almost all profit. 
Mm-hmm. But I wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> I wasn't enjoying it at all because I was just working. Do you, have you ever noticed that when you don't pay attention, that the universe, God, whoever it is you believe in, kind of gives you, sends you messages. First, it's a whisper, and then it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And finally, it can be a smack in the head. Yes, for sure. I got a smack in the head in 2008. I had almost 70 clients who were all real estate agents that I was doing marketing for. And in 2008, you know what happened. The real estate bubble burst. And I went from 70 clients to 25 clients in 30 days. Ouch. Yeah. So it really got my attention and made me think, okay, I need to do something different now. What should I do? And I slowed down enough to realize I'm not happy. I'm burned out. So I had been toying with the idea of starting to train virtual assistants because the biggest challenge that virtual assistants have, and I think a lot of new business owners have, is they don't know how to get clients. They don't know how to find, get, and keep clients, you know, which is called marketing and sales, right? They don't know how to do that. And I had figured that out Um, because not only did I have 70 clients, before the bubble burst, I had a waiting list of 15 clients, like almost all the time. So I really knew how to do that. So I decided to put together a training program and then test it myself by going through my own program and coming up with a new target market. I still wanted to do marketing because I love marketing, but getting a new target market and, and I did it. And within 30 days, I had redone my whole business. I was doing marketing for professional speakers and I had 11 new clients, which was all I could handle by myself. And I also had this new training program that I could begin to market and scale. Kathy, how did you figure out that there was an opportunity for this particular audience? With the professional speakers audience? Mm -hmm. And also you figured, not only did you figure it out, but you figured it out really quickly. Yeah. So I had already been working on thinking through my process. You know, David, a lot of times business owners, they know how to do something so well that they don't really think about how they do it. So I took the time to actually, you know, because I lost all those clients. I had quite a bit of time on my hands. (laughs) And so I sat down and went through exactly what it is do I do in order to identify who I want to work with research them, talk with them. And that's what I did. I researched them online and then I actually asked them to have a 15-minute conversation with me so I can find out what their needs are, what their pain points are, what's keeping them up at night, what they would actually be willing to pay for. Because, you know, I say a lot of people need something, but they don't really value it enough to pay for it. And they may not agree that they need it. Yes, exactly. And I don't want to beat my head against the wall going, you need this. You'd better buy it when they don't see it. So I want them to know they need it, to value it enough to pay for it well, and to have the money to pay for it. Because there are people who know they need it and value it enough to pay for it, but they don't have any money. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. When I was actually researching this initially, what I did was I thought, who would I love to work with? And, And... What popped in my head was authors because I love reading. I am just, you know, authors are just like, you know, gods to me. 
So I began researching authors. And what I discovered in my research was fiction authors. They they would really love to have a VA working for them. They would really love to have a VA marketing for them. They value it, but they don't have the money to pay for it because fiction authors don't make much money. But then when I looked at uh, business authors, well, they use their books for marketing and to become thought leaders, right? Not to make money from the books. So they have income from other areas like, you know, for example, professional speakers. So when I was researching that, I looked and who actually is putting out new books on a regular basis? And it was professional speakers. And that's how I chose them, professional speakers who are also authors. Right. And the first step is understanding your process. Right. Right. Where else have you noticed that consultants and coaches get stuck? Mindset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think we have a lot of people who don't even realize that they have a scarcity mindset. And David, that's where I was. So... I got to 100,000 in my VA business twice. And then I got to 100,000 in addition to my VA business in my new training and coaching business for VAs. And I kept getting stuck there. Like I could get to 106,000, but that was it. And for three years, I was stuck at that level. And I kept, you know, I thought, oh, it's my marketing. I have to redo my marketing. No, it's my sales. I have to redo my sales. No, it's where I'm marketing. No, it's this. No, it's that. It's the price. It's, you know, all those different things. And I kept modifying all of those and testing all of those. And it wasn't any of those things. And what, thank goodness, I finally discovered by working with a coach of my own was that it was my own mindset. I did not feel like I was worthy, like I was worth more than a hundred thousand. And guess what? After working on that for a little bit, and I really mean a little bit after, you know, sometimes the very first thing that really shifts is when you acknowledge it. So as soon as I acknowledged, oh my goodness, it's my mindset. I don't think I'm worth more than a hundred thousand. Everything shifted immediately. And that year I went from a hundred thousand to 300,000. It didn't do anything different other than my mindset shifted. And then the year after that, I went from 300,000 in revenue to 700,000. And then from 700,000 to a million. And that million is within the COVID year. And Kathy, these shifts from 100 to 300, three to seven, seven to a million, Mm -hmm. were there changes in your business model? Nope. Well, I shouldn't say nope. But that wasn't the biggest shift, okay? The the really only uh, different thing that I did was I brought more people onto my team. Now, I will also tell you that once you get to a million, which is where I am right now, that is the biggest shift I've had to, that I've had to make with my team. And what I've had to do now, and I am actually working on it right now, is I have to become a stronger leader myself. Because from 100,000 to 300,000, and then 300,000 to 700,000, I was the level of leader that I needed to be to get there. But to get to over a million, I have discovered that I have to learn how to be a stronger, um, more focused, more organized leader. Why? My team needs a strong leader. And before we got to this level, 
you know, they were all doing a great job and everybody was working well together and there weren't any, you know, no drama. But once we got past that 700,000, things started breaking down. The systems that I had in place weren't working as well. The people that I had in those positions were, they weren't ready to grow to that next level themselves necessarily without a stronger leader. And instead of me going, pointing fingers at my team and going, you need to get better. You need to shape up. You know, I always believe it starts at the top. So I looked at myself and I was like, oh man, I'm not leading the way I need to lead. I'm not, I'm not letting them all know where, um, you know, our mission, where we're going, our goals. I was still just out here, you know, having fun, making money, doing my thing, training and coaching, and letting them do whatever they felt was right to do because they're all independent contractors. And they no longer knew what was right to do because I wasn't sharing that vision. Yeah. So, so what's an example of something that was part of your vision that you needed to communicate to your team members and, and what did they then do with the information? So my style of leadership, (laughs) my style of leadership is uh, pants on fire, running by the seat of my pants, just doing whatever feels fun and wonderful that day. And that is not a way you can run a million dollar plus business successfully with a team. So I really didn't set any vision other than we're going to have fun and we're going to make money. David, I'm not kidding you. (laughs) So before this, I kind of said, you know, I make money by accident. Well, there comes a point where you can't keep making money by accident. So I really... Like I would have an idea. I would be talking with one team member on a phone call and I'd have an idea and I would tell them, oh, here's a great idea. Let's do this. And then I didn't tell anybody else on my team. So how did anybody else know? And they all felt left out of everything. And I didn't have a way to communicate to the entire team new ideas I was having and vet those ideas. So just to give you an example, I came up with a new idea for how I wanted to re, redo a training program that I have that that isn't producing the level of results that I really want to produce. It's my lowest level training program. And my high level training program, it knocks it out of the park. But my lower level training program doesn't. And I came up with an idea of how I wanted to redo that. And in the past, I would have just done it and said it and told everybody, go do this. That doesn't work anymore. So what I did this time, I just finished doing it over the last week, was I actually wrote out everything, exactly what I wanted, figured out what I wanted to charge, actually did numbers, David, numbers, where I figured out the break-even point, the projection for how much we could probably sell, what our profit would be, what we needed to do in order to do that. I met individually with each team member to get their buy-in and their ideas. And then just this morning, just before this, because I had gotten my final uh, buy-in from my final team member that I needed to get that, I announced it to the whole group in our Monday morning team meeting. And everybody's excited. There's nobody complaining. (laughs) Everybody knows what needs to be done in the deadlines. It's amazing when you actually lead what you can do. <laughs> the part of what I'm hearing, Kathy, is greater structure, more consistent focus, 
definitely yes. more more focused and widespread communication to make sure that everybody is not only in the loop but engaged in the idea and feels committed to the outcome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And put it in writing. I had been very bad about doing that. I wouldn't actually put stuff in writing. I would just talk about it because I'm a talker instead of a, you know, writer downer. Mm-hmm. And those numbers, that's the other thing that I had been avoiding because I, I, in the past, I didn't like numbers. Now I am really embracing numbers because when you have that in writing, you know what your goals are in writing and what you believe you can achieve and everybody buys in, you're going to have a much easier time of accomplishing that. Yeah, if everybody's clear on the objectives and how you would, how you measure success in trying to achieve the objectives, then they they have very clear guidelines. Exactly. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners, um, and maybe even you, David, going, how did you not know this already? I didn't. I did not. And I have an MBA. It's not like I don't have education. It's not like I haven't already been running a business since 2001. But I did not know this. I didn't really understand it. And now I do. So anybody listening to this who's like me and goes, I really hate numbers, so I'm just going to avoid them. Please learn from me. Don't avoid those numbers anymore. Embrace them because you can grow your business a lot faster and easier by embracing those numbers. Yeah, that's for sure. That is for sure. Kathy, what what would you say are, are some of like your, like if you look back over the last couple of decades that you've been in business, mm-hmm. when you've made the biggest shifts Mm-hmm. in your business that have produced the best changes in outcomes, what are mm-hmm. some of the the fundamental pieces that you have changed? Mm-hmm. So a big one is being a risk taker. And that means risk taking in thinking outside the box, going against the norms, and also in how much money you invest in yourself, in your business. Because I thought I was doing well with that, but I realized that I really was avoiding risk. And by avoiding risk, I was limiting how quickly I could grow. And in hindsight, I could probably already be at $5 million in revenue if I had not been avoiding risk until about, uh, three years ago, <laughs> really. And, you know, in the last three years is when I went from 100,000 to 300,000, 700,000 to a million. I stopped avoiding risk. And I have, literally have a sign above my desk now if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And I don't know what it is about that, but that calms me down because I think, wow, look at all this time and effort and energy and money that I'm spending and investing. And yes, I have my big why, and that big why wasn't doing enough for me to push me into that risk-taking field. But once I began going, okay, here's what I'm thinking my goal should be, and then I would examine it and go, does that scare me? Does that make me nervous? Does that make me feel sick to my stomach? That's that's where I hold my fear is in my stomach, okay? Somebody else might have it in their heart or their head. Mine is in my stomach. And if I didn't have that level of nervousness in my stomach, if it was just a little nervousness, I'm like, okay, it's not big enough yet. Let's go bigger. 
And that's how I did it. You know, you know, people say you have a gut feeling. Well, I think this is really what they're talking about. <laughs> a literal physical feeling. That's right. For me, that's what it is. And Kathy, this year, which has been a really tumultuous year in so many aspects of our lives and our work, you have continued to grow and to grow substantially. What do you attribute to your ability to grow when so many people in the world are just plain freaking out and suffering as well? Yeah. Well, there's a bit of good luck is one thing, which is I was already in the online world. I was already in the virtual world. So thank you, God, for for giving me that opportunity, because, you know, if I had had a brick and mortar restaurant or something like that, you know, that would have been a bigger challenge. So at least I already had that. And then when everybody else was saying, like, um, I don't know if you heard this, but I heard a lot of this going on in March when the world kind of shut down. They're like, OK, so the world shut down. So we need to we need to stop marketing and stop selling. And I was like, what? Why would I possibly stop marketing and stop selling? I have something that can help people who have a construction business and they need to go online, who has a restaurant and they need to go online, who just lost their job and they need a job. What I do is I help people create an online business. And then those people that I train, they help their clients get online and market their businesses and sell their businesses online. So I didn't listen to all those naysayers that were like, oh, this is all so horrible. We just have to shut down and do nothing. And in fact, even like Facebook ads, they just plummeted because people were like, we're not going to spend money on that anymore. So instead, I was like, okay, I've got something that can really help people. I'm not going to be scared because I already have my risk-taking muscle flexed here. I'm going to keep going. And I, in fact, increased the amount of marketing that I did. And that's what I think was the biggest difference. One of the things that I've learned in shifting my mindset is that money, you can stop money from flowing. And one of the ways to do that is by saying, well, I'm just going to shut everything down because the world has you know, stopped. That shuts money from coming into you and it stops money from going out. So instead of me shutting down and saying, no, I'm not going to pay the my team anymore because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to run Facebook ads anymore because I don't know what's going to happen. I went in all in and said, we're going to come out of this bigger and stronger than ever. Let's go. And that's exactly what has happened. I feel really fortunate for that. Yeah. Well, Kathy, congratulations on everything you've achieved and particularly what you've done this year and the, la the last few years. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, access any resources you have, or have an opportunity to go deeper with anything we've discussed, where's the best place for them to go? So David, I have a special link set up just for you. We will create a special link. We will call it smashingtheplateau.com slash expert VA training. We can create it on our end and, and, and plug in yours. So we will do that. Oh, cool. All right. All right. So go ahead and say what yours was again. Smashingtheplateau.com slash expert VA training. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Kathy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share a lot of your story and what some of your challenges have been, what has led to your success. Again, congratulations. My guest today has been 
the founder of the Guggenauer Group, Kathy Guggenauer. Thank you again for joining us. David, it has been a pleasure as always. I love talking with you. Thanks so much. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how you can grow your business quickly and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.